Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Danae and I are super excited to talk about the fact that we have our first in-person retreat coming up this January, uh, the first week actually, January 2nd through 7th in Carefree, Arizona. It's going to be a stunner. So this retreat is happening at Sivana Retreat, which is like, I could not be more excited for this. I know. It's so beautiful, so luxurious, and you know, I feel like we have been so hungry to come together in community for certainly over a year now. And, you know, we were really committed to like, we want to do this in a way that feels safe for everyone and in a way that we can really hold some therapeutic containing work, um, but also really create community in a way that all of us have been so hungry to feel it for so long now. Yeah. And if you guys are listening to the podcast and you know what Danae and I are about, right? You know that we are all about getting in there, deep diving, getting beneath the surface. And so we're going to bring together, it's basically going to be a week of us bringing together all of the deepest, most integrative work that her and I do on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm. So we're going to be doing shadow work. We're going to be doing inner child work. We're going to be talking about the mother wound. We're going to be, you know, getting in and digging out old codependent relationship behaviors and patterns. I mean, there is so much that we are packing into this week. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that just, healing work ooh. and, you know, we're going to dive into masculine and feminine dynamics, which we're obsessed with. But, you know, to me, this is really going to be like us supporting you in leveling up, you know, not only your spiritual tools and your toolkit in general, but, you know, how you want to enter 2022, right? Yeah. How can you learn to live from the most authentic place or the mm-hmm. most authentic space that you possibly can? That is really our hope to be able to give you the tools to do that in the best way that you can. Love it. This is from self-abandonment to inner belonging, the intensive, like you said, V, January 2nd through 7th in Carefree, Arizona. Join us. Yeah. It's on uh, my website, vanessabennett.com backslash retreats. We have a pretty inspirational woman today, Mm. actually on. um, And I think that you all are going to take away from this some really good nuggets. I know that I was able to, you know, she seems like she has just she's experienced so much and she's really allowed it to turn her into who she is today. And and Mm. it's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful one. Yeah. I think you said this during the episode and it, it felt so spot on, you know, she's such a beautiful example of someone who has been able to alchemize some really significant pain points into, um, the message that she carries forward in her journey, the way that she is of service in the world. And I just think it's so inspirational because as you listen to her, tell her story, it, it truly, it takes your breath away. Um, And she um, has just really used what she's been through as sort of the catalyst to the way that she wants to serve in this lifetime. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's, it's like a a spiritual kind of emotional element when you're like, wow, she's, she's got a powerful message. And I think she's does a really good job at making it like tangible, Mm. you know, here's some tools that practical, you know, that you can actually use in your everyday life and your relationships. So, uh, I think this is a good one. You guys, I hope you enjoy. 
Vanessa and I are so excited for today's guest. We have Danette May with us. She is the co-founder and CCO of Mindful Health and Earth Echo Foods, best-selling author, founder of the Rise Movement, keynote speaker, high-level executive coach, fitness and nutrition expert, entrepreneur, wife, and mother, woman. Woo. <laughs> I'm blown away just in the introduction. Thank you the, so much. The for definition of a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> you guys are nice. I'm going to hang out with you all day. <laughs> just walk around. We'll just, you know, reflect know. back to you all day long. Um, we're really happy to have you here today. And, um, you know, I, I mean, even just people who are hearing that they're like, damn, like she does a lot, you know, but mm. I, Danae and I are very well uh, aware that it takes sometimes a lot to get to the place that we are at, right? And there's always kind of a story underneath the like long hyphen, hyphen, I am this, I am this, I am this. Um, And usually we just kind of start this way with most of our guests, like what's your story? How did you get here, right? Like what was kind of the catalyst for you to become who you are today? Yeah, well, before I tell my story, I just want to say none of those amazing things that you read off could happen without amazing team that I have. And Mm -hmm. the gift that I do have is of massive delegation. And we have this beautiful team of like 60 employees that really run a lot of the vision that I just hold in my heart. So I do want to shout out to them. Um, So I do want to say that it does take a village for any greatness to occur. And and yeah, and strong friendships, people that support you when you're down and, and, and help you remember your light and all that stuff. So I do want to do a shout out to friends as well, (laughs) but uh, yeah, my past is kind of laid out complete opposite of everything you just read. Um, Didn't have a team, didn't even really have solid friendships. Um, I was in a period in my life where, and I won't go way back, but I had, I was married and I had my first child second with my, uh, pregnant with my second child, but I'm in this state of being a trainer, right? I'm going into work every day, training clients, but I'm going through the motions. I'm this woman who has turned off her intuition because her intuition is so loud around the decisions she's making around religion, the decisions she's making around her relationship, her marriage, um, her, the life she's living, the home she's living in, the place she's living in. And it's so out of context of the truth of her true essence that, and it doesn't, she doesn't know what to do, but turn it off because she's there. She's, she's married. She's got a child. She's going to a church. She's got the only friend she does have was in is within that church. So you just turn it off. And that's what led me to, you know, truly, I think the loss of my son, you know, I, was pregnant with him. I had strong intuitive hits to head into the hospital that something was wrong. But when you're really good at turning off your intuition, you just get yourself busy. And this is for everyone, no matter what your intuition is. A lot of times we bury it with work, scrolling on our phones, watching media, hanging out with people that are not helping us get to our truest, fullest expressions. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just went into busy and I turned off that intuition, which led me to having my son and not bringing him home. And that led me on a path of deep depression, um, unraveling, you know, it was a gift. I always say that the passing of my son was what truly woke me up because it was in that unraveling that I really was like, I'm at my rock bottom. Now I don't care. Now I'm here and I don't care. And so I'm just going to lay out all my truths 
because yeah. I have nothing else to lose at this point. And that's really when I just started to go, this is who I am. This is how I want to be. This is, and it was messy. It was turbulent. It was disrupting to my family, to my husband's, my husband at that time's family. I ended up going through a really difficult divorce, um, found myself pregnant again, which was the child was meant to be born and the same date of the passing of my other son, of my wow. son, which, you know, there was so many unseen, beautiful forces involved in this transformation that I went through, but mm. it was in this transformation. It was in me taking back my intuition. It was me taking back the truth of who I am and really unlayering to who I was and, and owning it that has led me to be the woman I am today. And I always say that it was in my mud and my muck that I became you know, the truest expression and who I continue to step into. (laughs) Such a big breath and everything that you just said. Um, And I feel like you so beautifully articulate what I find is the truth for so many of us, especially Mm -hmm. as women, um, the ways that we have been conditioned to turn down our intuitive knowing our, um, our essence as you so beautifully spoke to. Um, And I guess, you know, I love how you spoke to being at this point where like, I just, I don't care anymore. (laughs) And I'm curious about what that looked like for you in terms of being in that point in the mud, in the muck of like what you started to do to discover um, what my essence was, what has been lost for me. Yeah. And I always say that if you're at rock bottom or you're in chaos, Mm -hmm. and you know, this is Napoleon Hill type quote, but equal or greater good is is coming. Mm -hmm. And this is a beautiful time where you are basically being shafted. They always talk about this, like in biblical times, you know, the shafting of the terror, like I'm I'm not going to totally mutilize the Bible quote, but it's like when you're in this breakdown, you literally remove the things in your life that you were kind of holding on as a mask. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so beautiful is you get to unlayer into this essence of who you are, or they can, you can call it the refiner's fire, right? It's this heating Mm -hmm. up and molding and it's hot and it's fiery and it's uncomfortable. And, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. No beautiful um, piece of work of glass is molded overnight. It takes time and a lot of temperature and heat and turning and rotating. And the same goes for our transformations most of the time. So for me, you know, it was just this opportunity to go, I can't possibly be the only person who's going through this major chaos. And so that's when I turned into people that I really looked up to. They didn't know who that I existed. They were like mentors that a lot of us look up to and really looked behind the curtain of what did they do? And the thing that I found was that all of them had a messy, crazy past. And I was like, yeah. ching I got that too. This is good. This is good. So you can always say, I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm destined for something. If the messier my past, the more beautiful my future can be. Mm-hmm. And so I started really finding the common denominators between these really great people and implementing those common denominators. And it's not rocket science. So this is what I build all my fundamental programs on. It's what I do, build my fundamental coaching on and then go from there. And it's really what's changed my whole life. So it sounds like, you know, to Danae's question, it's like when you were in that moment, you know, we start to, I mean, this is very common for all of us. It's like, we start to look to other people to say like, who else mm-hmm. has been here? Right. Yep. Like I need to connect to, to yep. something or someone else outside of self to know that I'm not alone in this. And in that experience of, of realizing you weren't alone, it, it almost like 
it's not that in that moment meaning is made, but in that moment you start to have that feeling of I am not alone. And then you're able to, I don't know, get real, like start to, to take action on, on some of the things that, like you said, like dropping some of those things that you're hiding behind, right? Like that actual action can then happen once you have that moment of, of connectedness to, to others that have had experiences like yours. Yeah. I was thinking uh, when you just said something, when you hit this rock bottom, then it makes you look to people that are doing really well. But I actually think humans are interesting people because what most humans, what I find most humans do is they look, it's so, so like their relationship is struggling. They go to their girlfriend who has a, an equally struggling relationship. Right. <laughs> like, Can you give me some advice? Like yeah, I'm going right. through this or people that have financial struggles and are like really have these big dreams of financial abundance. They go to the person who doesn't have financial abundance and ask for advice. So I do want to say kudos to anyone who's like truly going to a real mentor or a real mm. coach who's done what you're looking to do, not just anybody who's going to make you feel better. Like, oh, you're actually doing really well. It's like, no, let someone like serve you up. Right. And, and speak truth to you, even if it feels a little achy and a little hard to hear. Um, so I, I do want to just say that most humans don't do that. I don't. <laughs> well, I feel like we have to reach a certain level of desperation before we get there. Right. Yeah, like if we're that. comfortable enough, sometimes we do just stay in the comfort of those around us. But I think to your point, we have to be deep enough in the muck that we need a solution. Well, and sometimes I think, you know, we go to those people who like your point, like the, the girlfriend who has this kind of similarly toxic relationship. Sometimes we go there, like you said, Danae, we're, we're not quite there yet. It's almost mm. like, we just want people to make us feel better. Yep. We just want people to reflect back to us. Like what you're doing is normal and okay. Just keep doing it because we're not actually <laughs> ready yet not ready. to do something different, to do something greater, to, you know, grow and extend outside of ourselves. And, and I, I want to normalize that too. Cause I think many of us do that. And, and I think that is, um, yeah, it's normal. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you kind of started stripping away, so, you know, like you said, you, you went through a painful divorce. I mean, it doesn't, it didn't happen overnight, obviously. So, you know, you go from, so when you say trainer, fitness trainer, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Um, so what did that look like for you? I mean, did you just start kind of, were you like in the state of being a seeker and you were just kind of seeking and listening and taking in information? And then, you know, I guess, how did that translate into the external? How did that, you know, that inner yeah. transformation translate? You know, for me, I, like I said, I was a trainer, but here I was this trainer that was now in depression. Yeah. And I say this word really interesting because there's different levels of depression. And granted, up until this point, I had experienced like the slowest of the gamuts of like just having a bad day. Mm -hmm. But then there's true depression where people literally can't get out of their home. And it's the thought of even exercising is not even in the realm because people like as a trainer, I used to be the trainer that was like, just exercise and it'll help you with depression, right? Yeah. Or don't eat lots of sugar and it'll help with anxiety. But when you're actually in true depression, mm -hmm. that desire to even work out is so difficult to have happen. And that's where I was. So I was in this three month would literally tell my young daughter what a curb was and explain what a curb was because I wouldn't even go outside with her when she mm -hmm. wanted to go outside so that she wouldn't go past the curb. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to buy a loaf of bread. I didn't want to go into a grocery store. It was an unknown familiar space for me. 
But I do remember the day and I write about it in my first book, The Rise, but I remember the day because it was like, you got to go out just for a walk, like just a walk. And it was this constant like conversation in my head and a walk to me is nothing now. Right. But at that time it was huge. And I was like, okay, just lace up my shoes. And so anyone listening, if you're in this, it's like, it's just like that right next step, like, okay, lace up my shoes. Now open the door. Now that walk down the step, that first couple like little blocks in the sidewalk right there, then there. And there was like the second corner of that block. I mean, I was like shuffling. And the reason there was resistance around movement in particular, walking around the block, AKA, <laughs> I, I think it's because their movement is what cracks open that soul. Mm. And it's in that movement and then that cellular movement that you start to like feel. And a lot of us just don't want to feel as deep as we need to feel to crack open. And so it was in that cracking open. And so I started to move every day because I just cried. And it was this um, kind of an aha moment because I used to teach it, but I was like, wow, I've got to move because it's in my moving that I'm going to cry and I'm going to crack. And in cracking, I don't have to keep holding myself together. And I also, in my tool chest, knew about healing foods. I understood the concept, Mm -hmm. but it was in that movement. And then I started going, okay, I need just foods to get me out of the fog. So I just started reading up about superfoods that actually are, that no one can claim on anything on marketing anymore, but ancient civilizations will talk about them around foods that are really great for depression or great for brain fog. And so I started experimenting with those foods. And then I started seeing my every, all of that combination, I started to wake up and I started to just feel a lot better. And I was like, okay, I've got to share this with my clients. I had like a handful of clients that were patiently waiting for me mm-hmm. and, and super loyal. And I was like, okay, here's this plan. And I started just experimenting and they were starting to see these tremendous results. So things that they hadn't even shared with me that they were like, I'm feeling better than I've ever felt. Then I knew I was onto something. I was like, I can't, I can't be the only person in the world that actually needs this stuff. And these foods are healing and moving our body in our different conversation is healing. And then I started really diving into mindset and the brain science and the whole, my whole world just was open. And I was like on a mission to share with everyone. And that's really where the business started and where my coaching started, because I literally would use meditation. I would use um, visualization. I attracted my full teammate, my partner, my business partner, didn't know him from anyone, would have never been connected to him, literally visualized him reached out through this connection, found him, he was this amazing marketer, took a hold of my vision. And we've reached like over about 500,000 people, not 500, 500 million, that's a, 500 million have watched our videos. And we have over 2 million worldwide that have bought our programs. I feel like it's just, it's not me. It's really a divine thing for, hmm. for the world right now. We talked a lot about that, like through me, like working yes. through me, right? Yeah. Like it is something, it's not about, uh, my partner actually has this thing where he talks about like the different stages of self where it's like, it's to me, by me, for me, through me. And it's like Ooh. almost like a layer of how you go up each time. And when you get to that through me stage, like that really is kind of the ultimate um, self-expression. Mm, yeah. So, so honoring. Yeah. And that I really appreciate the way that you spoke to the debilitating nature of like what it actually viscerally feels like in depression, because I think that a lot of times that can be really misunderstood. Um, and, and I, I think there's something so powerful in the way that you spoke to, you know, this was something that I used to sort of 
speak to like, just get up, get moving. Like it'll make you feel better. And then when I was in that deep debilitative space, I was able to sort of feel in my body, like this is actually not an option for me to do that. And I think there's something that's so powerful in that becomes that like almost spiritual catalyst to like what my work is supposed to be, because now I've felt this, I know what Mm, this feels like for people now. Yeah. Um, It really takes feeling it. And that's also something for everyone listening is a lot of times these things that you think are happening to you are happening for you and through you, like you just said, Vanessa, be so you can be an instrument in someone else's life, Mm. because unless you feel it, you can't really understand always the depth of how you can help someone else. So I definitely have felt that as well. Mm. Yeah. So powerful. So how did you, like, what does the coaching look like? What did that start to evolve into? Yeah. You know, it, it really was this in my pounding in my heart. So for me, I was like, I have, I have a meal plan. That's really simple with these superfoods. Mm-hmm. that is really mm-hmm. potent for people to feel empowered within their body and to feel really good. This isn't about weight loss. It's about fitting into your genes. This is so much deeper. And I also knew I had this movement plan that was about using affirmations and moving your body. And then these deep subconscious rewirings. So I had, I knew I had this formulation that was really going to be potent. And so for me, I was like, I'm not a marketer. How do I, how do I get this out into the world? Cause you can have right. these brilliant ideas, but how do you get it out into the world? So first it started with me meditating, truly meditating on who would be this right business partner. I don't have any connections. I barely have any friends. I'm borrowing Wi-Fi from my neighbors through the wall. I'm using a computer (laughs) that literally someone threw in the dump and I'm using it because it has no charge. And I, I was just at this rock bottom, beautiful place of just knowing in my heart that I had something that really could help people. And so it was this meditation that I received um, this idea to reach out to um, or to look for business people trending on Twitter, mm-hmm. random, found a name, reached out, reached out, who, how we always do through Facebook Messenger, because that's how we find everyone, and, and finally got on a phone call and um, really pitched my idea. It kind of went on deaf ears, but you have to stay persistent. You have to continue to show up in this vision and know it's bigger than you and know that it's going to impact the world. And so over time, I was able to convince this person that this was something that was going to really help a lot of people. And I was the person to partner with that. I wasn't just an idea. I was going to put some work and faith behind it. And long story short, we partnered up. We ended up getting married too. We partnered first. <laughs> okay, so you partner partnered. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then so you, you manifested know, more than a business partner. Right? I do share about that. I do share about that meditation, which is potent. I use it a lot. We're like, can we get that meditation? Yeah, it's right? very potent. And that's what I use in my coaching. So that, that, yeah, like, so basic coaching came from my mess became my message. And then I was able to create three eight-figure businesses, really implementing these things that I've been feeling in my heart first. And then I was like, oh, I want to, I want to help other people. I want to coach people. So then the coaching just evolved from there because people were asking. And I found this huge love to coach people around limiting blocks and self-sabotage and also practical coaching, metaphysical, but practical on um, building businesses, delegating team, all those things. So it's just been a beautiful ride. I just really want to be of service. I think a lot of us, you guys are definitely in that category. You just want to show up and you just want to leave the world better than you found it and juice every gift you've ever had inside your system to the world. That's at least how I feel. 
I love it. I love the integration of the metaphysical and the spiritual tools that helped you to heal and sort of bringing them into how we can use them in the physical realm to sort of live a life that is, you know, the life that we dream of for ourselves. That's just so beautiful to hear. (laughs) I love it. I want to ask a little bit about, you know, one of the things that we were reading is this idea that you talk about completion conversations. And I want to know more about it because I feel like within the therapy realm, I've, I've heard a similar, um, I don't know, like a similar kind of concept, but I'd love to hear it from, from you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably been mentioned in a lot of different coaching realms for sure, because I, there's all different forms of communication. So for, for example, completion conversations came into my world because not only did I marry a man who didn't have children and I had children. So he also became a full-time father Mm -hmm. and a, a husband And we were starting a business and we were starting a business with rubbing pennies together and, and grew it from pennies rubbing together to what it is today. And, Mm -hmm. and then it's just not even having full communication with this lover, this partner, this business partner, this father now, but a whole team of 60 plus employees. So the idea of communication for me became something I was super passionate about and studied a lot because I realized that anything, when things got off track in anything, business, delegating, uh, your relationship, sexual relationship, anything, it was like the single thread around communication. Mm -hmm. And if you just harness that, a lot of this drama that we all like to put in our lives could get, you know, moved aside. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm passionate about communication. It can dissolve, like really effective communication can dissolve a lot of the things most of us are dealing with that we don't even need to just to get to our goals quicker. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, is like really understanding and what you want to do is teach your team this, your children this. We use this with our children all the time. And I love it because my teens will go, hey, mom can I have a completion conversation with you? Mm. And I am so grateful. And they do it to each other, like sisters, like don't sit. Mm. Yes, they're going to have disagreements, but I definitely think we have a household of two teenage girls that were not like yelling and fighting and screaming and saying nasty things. Cause they would be like, Hey, can I have a completion conversation? And they knew that this was a safe way to communicate the deep feelings that they have. So I'll just run you through the steps. Let's pretend, uh, Vanessa, I'll use you because I'm looking at you right now. Like Vanessa and I are like best friends and I, we were at an event and she said, or I said something to her about her in front of her that she was like, that really cut. You said something in front of somebody else and you made me feel less than you. You made me feel not smart. You made like whatever. Okay. So you guys can imagine what I said, (laughs) but this is how Vanessa feels. And Vanessa feels this and it's, it's really creating a wedge between our friendship. She's questioning me wondering if I really value her. She's questioning if she can trust me in social settings. She's tr- she's questioning a lot of things, right? So Vanessa, you would come to me and say, hey, Danette, can we have a completion conversation? So go ahead and just say it. Okay. Danette, can we have a completion conversation? And let's say I'm like, got five meetings and I'm really busy. I'll be like, hey, Vanessa, Vanessa, I uh, can't do it right now. How does, especially if I'm heightened, because as soon as someone says I want a completion, you're like, oh, yeah. I just did something and I got to get ready for this. I got to be in a good space. So I'd say, Hey, how about tonight at 6 PM? Does that work for you? Okay, That works. Okay. So then at that time when everybody's in a, okay, we're ready to be in this conversation, Vanessa, you would say what you felt you would say when this happened at this event, you said this, and it made me feel like this, right? Yeah. 
it really made me feel underappreciated and it made me feel a lot of shame and it made me feel embarrassed and it just made me feel like you didn't respect me or appreciate me. Okay. So she says this most likely the per me, I'd be like, that's your own shit. <laughs> like deep down, I'm thinking this, right? Yeah, or I'm like, defensive. I totally didn't mean to do that. Like, how did you even take that? Like, I could say all that, but you don't. This is where a real leader needs to show up because it doesn't matter whether I meant it. It doesn't matter whether I think it's her past wounding. What matters is she feels that now. Mm-hmm. And it and I, as a friend or a coworker or a lover, need to meet in that motion now. Mm-hmm. So I would say to Vanessa, okay, so you, when I did this, it made, and I'm reiterating it, right? right. Because the biggest thing is you want Vanessa to know that you get it. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I would say, like, I would think of a time when I felt like how she felt. And I'd be like, hey, Vanessa, wow, I remember when my mom did that to me and it made me feel like this. Does that how you, it made you feel? And you'd be like, you know, yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, wow, I can see that I did that. And I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry that um, it came out that way. I totally think you're brilliant. I didn't mean to demean you. And next time, in this setting, I will make sure not to say that or act like that. And I will do this instead. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, what the goal is in that conversation is one to make Vanessa under, know that I understand the feeling. It's not so much what I did. It's like how I made her feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then Vanessa, I would go to you, are you complete? And, or, or I would say, do you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And Vanessa needs to be really honest with me then now and go, I feel like you get it. Um, and if you do, even though it's still a little stingy, you could say, yeah, I, I, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. But if you don't feel like I get it, you can go, you know, I don't actually feel like you quite get it. And so then I have to go, okay, what else did you feel? What else, what else did it come up? Cause there might be another incident when I did it. So it's stacked, right? So she's like, yeah. well, actually last month you did this kind of same thing. And this, how it made me feel. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I see how I'm repeating this and I'm making you feel this way. And I need to really shift this. And I'm really sorry. And I, you know, I'm going to do this and this. Do you, do you think, can you forgive me now? Do you feel like I get it? Then Vanessa can come back to me and say, yeah, I get it. I got it. And then you go, do you feel complete? Are we complete? And Vanessa will go, yeah, we're complete. And then you can move on. Right. What about in a situation though, where somebody's really stuck in their defensiveness and, and really isn't in a place to say, okay, I, I hear you. I see you. I understand you. I mean, we're talking teenage girls here. So let's use that as an example. I'm sure there's times where there's defensiveness, right? I mean, should I get defensive obviously, but um, where it's like, cause what I'm imagining happening is let's say it's in a moment where I say, okay, I want to hear this. Let's have this conversation. They, they come to me, they say, you know, here's what happened. Here's how I felt. And I'm trying my best. And the person says, no, I don't feel like you get it for me in that moment. That's where I'd be like, well, fuck off then. (laughs) I tried tried, and clearly nothing I do is going to be good enough. So you know what? That's on you because I know that that's kind of where my activation would lie. So, you know, I wonder in that moment, then the person who's coming to you with the completion conversation, is it almost like on them to say, okay, you know what, in this moment, you don't get it. We're going to like take a time out and revisit it later. Or do you just continue the conversation? 
Yeah, so you have to know that on a completion conversation with these people, you are trying to come to a resolution. You have to come to the completion conversation table knowing that you care about this person, mm -hmm. you care, you know, and you want to come to a resolution. I wouldn't have a completion conversation with just anybody because I that's when I would get defensive because I'm like, I don't really know you. I don't have time for this and I don't need to explain myself. So let's just say, for example, people that message you or DM you on yes. social and like accuse you, I don't have time for, I'm not going to have a completion conversation with them, but like, <laughs> like with you and I, like, I get it. Cause there's parts times when I've had these with my spouse and he's like, I don't feel like you get it. And I'll be like, and I'm like the same as you. I'm like in my brain, I'm like, I'm like, that sounds like at five, you had some trauma and now it's on, <laughs> now it's on me to try to responsible. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but that's where a real leader gets to show up. Right. And someone mm -hmm. who gets to like really work on their own practice, because we're just like bumping mirrors as humans, right. right. Energetic bumping balls. And so I have to go, okay, he's bumping me and I have to swallow it and be like, you know what? I actually love him. I know he cares about me and I, and I care about him. So I'm going to swallow this and really try to get to where this pain is because most likely it has nothing to do about that event. It has to do about another event or another time in the relationship that never got discussed where that person felt that. And so this event is like re-heightening it to get all addressed. So you're basically healing possibly a year or two years of your relationship that you didn't even deal with. It got swept under the rug. And that's important because I think in my experience working with clients and just even my own personal life, I think as somebody who I have struggled with the verbalization of the past hurts. I have struggled with mm -hmm. the verbalization of, right. I'm the person who tends to like sweep things under the rug and not rock the boat and all that stuff. And so I think what I have struggled with and what I've witnessed in other clients is, but am I allowed to bring up something that happened, let's say a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I didn't talk about it, then should I talk about it now? And I've actually had relationships end over somebody saying, you know, well, you didn't talk about it then. And I can't basically trust that you're essentially trustworthy in this relationship because you won't tell me when things are wrong, when they're wrong. Um, which that in itself is shaming. We won't go into that, but um, I imagine it's, it's got to take a lot of, I guess, inner awareness for sure. And kind of like breathing into the space of like, they are allowed to bring up past hurts. You know, no one gets to tell you that you're not allowed to hurt about something, even if it's been a year later, like that's okay right. to bring that up. And you probably didn't have this tool then. Yes. So you get to say that too. I didn't have the tools that I have now. So thank you for letting me clear using this tool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that you spoke to the commitment that you have to this relationship, because I think that's important because a lot of yeah. times mm -hmm. we're not going to invest the time in sitting in what feels uncomfortable unless this relationship really matters to me. And I think that's yeah. an important point. Mm -hmm. um, one yeah. thing I wanted to ask you about, Danette, that I felt really curious about for, you know, people in leadership roles and you, you know, we're talking about your team and that you have 60 plus employees. What is this last 18 months been like for you as a business owner? Yeah. You know, there's the whole different gamuts of emotion and the last, and I love this honest feedback question. Um, so I'm just going to be real. So we're obviously in the health industry. So we are already, for me, our business, I, I kept telling our team, we were built for these times. One, we're all virtual. All 60 employees were virtual. So everyone was working from home anyway. Two, we were already set up through Zoom, through Slack, virtual modalities, done. We have a business that was all about people 
working out using their own body, eating healing foods and, and, and really boosting their immune systems and, and taking ownership of their health, their mental health and their physical. I was like, we were built for this. So right. on a business level, we were fine in that regard, but also with employees. And now I think a business, the hardest part of any business, it's not the growing of the business, it's the employees. Yes, um, totally. It's the employees because you're not, you're basically managing people and all of their, just like we said, with these pain points, you've got all these people with different triggers and different things going on in their life. And I did notice that what I've noticed over the last 18 months, in particular with relationships in general, that you either got closer and stronger together, or you got like where you were like, no, that doesn't work for me. We're moving apart. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was a lot of in between over the last 18 months. What was your friendships? Cause I even was looking at my friendships. I was like, it's like crickets out there with some of these friends. I looked at my lover relationship, right. And your coworkers. So our, my lover relationship got closer. Thank goodness. But I mean, even if it didn't, I wouldn't look at that as a negative because I'd be like, I'm being shown something mm -hmm. that I need to look at that I've been like kind of dismissing because I nothing got really rocked. Right. But our coworkers, some of our coworkers, we just were like, this doesn't work anymore. Like mm -hmm. I'm not. And so there was a big cleansing that happened within our team um, during this period. And it's kind of still trickling right now. And so that's been rough. It's not easy to let people go. It's not easy to be like, Hey, I'm, we're going this direction. And I think you're going this direction and we need to cut ways, you know? So that's, what's happened in the business is, is just like, Hey, we've got a big mission and we need everyone on full steam ahead. We only had a couple people that were really in fear. And when they were really in fear, you can't do your work. Yeah. When you're operating and you're choosing to listen to CNN and you're choosing to watch the news and just be heightened like this all day all long, time. you're not going to be an effective worker. And we had to let some people go like that. And that was very, very minimal. Um, but that just goes for anything. If you're going to choose to live in fear, you're not going to show up as a great lover. You're not going to show up as a great friend. You're not going to show up as a great coworker. So um, we're getting pinged. Sorry about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, like that's what happened for us. How about you guys? Have things been similar, similar noticings? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I hear you speaking to a lot of, um, like what's been present on a collective level, which is that like all of the stuff that was there below the surface sort of came to the surface for all of us. And if there was a lot of, um, fear that maybe we hadn't, had a reckoning with, it was very present and we had no choice, but to sort of, um, to look at it. And I think it's, it's really interesting to me, you know, because I, I would imagine as a business owner, it's not just, um, you know, the pressure of like, we need to keep things going because like, what is our future going to look like? But you know, your employees have families and like all of those. Th so you're taking all of that into account with whatever decision you're making always, but at a time where if, you know, if I give in to my fear, then right. the ship's going down. So somebody's got to believe in possibility. Somebody's got to believe in like what we're going to do to get through this. And so I yeah. think that is where our, like our our true leadership skills um, get shown. Yeah, yeah, because I I think that that you know um, I certainly heard a lot of therapists that were like in the beginning like this is going to be a luxury thing. Nobody's going to be doing therapy, and I was sort of like, well. 
I, I sort of trust that like things yeah. will work out as they're supposed to. And this has been like, I mean, mental health has been at the forefront of everyone's world and the busiest time, you know, I think, um, I think there will always, if we sort of like shift into the mode of like, uh, I don't know, I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe that things are going to work out as they're supposed to, then they end up being all right. And like you said, what is this here to teach me? Right. It's mm-hmm. just like it's happening for me instead of to me. I mean, and that's not to minimize all the the real suffering that's obviously occurred and happened in the last 18 months and people who have lost family members and all Absolutely. of the things. Um, and I think for many of us, we can look at what's gone on as such a huge paradigm shift. Um, you know, just in like the taking off the veil in so many ways, right? Whether it's mental health, whether it's in, you know, um, just discrepancies in, in income levels and like people's access to healthcare, just all the things that have been kind of shown the light. Um, I think that can be looked at as a silver lining, right? Like this, this real flashlight got shown on a lot of things. And oh, for um, sure. I think there's a lot of positivity in that, even if there was a lot of suffering that, that came with it, you know? You know, I, I agree. And I, I think that as a society, as individuals first, and then as a collective society and, you know, as humanity as a whole, like a lot of times we get sucked into these belief systems that if it's really hard or different, sickness, I'm talking death, sickness, jobs, anything that feels different, new, we tend to label as bad. Mm. And I, I just challenge all of us to not label it as bad and to really look at, you know, where is, where's the learning in it? And, and also just trusting, like, I don't look at the loss of my son and I can speak to death because I've had it, you know, I don't look at the loss of my son as something bad. And I know, I know that that might be hard for some parents who have lost children or loved ones to really hear me say, Mm. it's taught me so much. And I actually really believe in the power of this energy that just because someone's passed on from the physical does not mean they're gone in the spiritual. They're not gone energetically. I feel his presence probably more than I would if he was in the physical realm. And that's on me to decide if I choose that. And if I believe that, and I just want to invite people to recognize that the world is always changing. It's, it's not, you know, we don't have to control it all. And it's not, we don't even have to label it as bad. We can Mm. just say, you know, where can I learn from us? Where, what's the message that I get to take from this? And where do I get to look for unseen forces and powers and energies outside the physical realm? Well, we don't get to control it, right? That is the thing. Like we yeah. have zero control over it. So the more we try to tell ourselves that we do, the more we actually suffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that and sharing that with us. Cause I think that that is, um, I don't know, just such a a powerful way to hold all of this, especially when we're in fear. You know, it is us clinging to the illusion that we have some sort of control of any of this. And if we can just sort of surrender to what you said about like, I love that, you know, this mess is sort of my opportunity to build something beautiful. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So so I, I I was going to ask, so I know this is called the cheaper than therapy podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but it's funny. I, I was coaching. It's been, it's been interesting the last few days. Uh, I've been getting on these one-on-one calls with these women. They were all women that were talking, they have these healing and they are, they're coaches and they also do therapy. They have like certifications and they were they, they all three told me that during this time, they kind of stopped. They felt like they were kind of like a deer in headlights and mm. didn't know how 
to show up, didn't know how to increase their business or what to do with their business and just kind of took on like three clients, but didn't like, like grow. And I wondered from your guys's perspective, cause it'd be different. Cause to me, I was like, this is not the time to stop when you have healing and therapy and coaching mm. abilities inside of you more than ever. People need this. <laughs> so yeah. let's go. You know, I was curious if you felt that people were wondering about their business that were therapists or, or coaches. I mean, because to me, I'm like, this is the time to go in your business. If that's what you are, because. Yeah, I think to that though, I think what I'm seeing is it's not that people are necessarily, uh, I mean, today you could feel, obviously you feel differently, but I, I think what I've experienced from people is so many people are trusting in their ability to, to provide healing or to provide that space for healing. But what I've experienced is that, um, at least from the therapy side, not necessarily coaching, um, there is like right now we're in the midst of like an, um, a transition or like an old guard is kind of being challenged and, and Mm. I don't know, crumbling kind of, Uh, that might sound scary to hear for a lot of people, but you know, therapy up until this point has been very rigid and like, this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it doesn't look like. And this is what it doesn't, you know, and, and there was such a push uh, against anything digital. There was such a push against therapists showing themselves, being transparent, uh, being accessible and relatable to people. And so what's, what we've really seen happen in the last, you know, two years is that all of that has kind of melted away. We had to go digital. We had to expand. We had to put ourselves out there. We had to be on social media, right? All of these new things. Um, I think for those of us who first, I think it was a generational thing. It was easier for some of us, right? Um, But I think for those of us also that were willing to embrace that discomfort and change, I think we struggled with it less. Um, And for those who really were hardcore about like, but this is not what it should look like. This is not what it should be. There was a lot of struggle in in the change and the evolution that kind of had to happen. And and I don't see us going back now. That's the thing, right? Like we are where we're at and we're only going to continue to go forward. Um, But I think that's what I've experienced in a lot of colleagues who struggled more in the beginning as well. I don't know if Danae, if you feel differently, but. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's that's really fascinating. It's good to hear about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true in so many facets of our world. I think that I've had a lot of conversations with parents who are like really concerned that, you know, our children are so far behind and they're, they're like losing. And I'm like, behind what though, really? Right. Like if collectively (laughs) everybody's behind, then aren't we just sort of like adjusting with the goalposts are and really isn't our world sort of shifting, right? Like, aren't we maybe preparing these children for a different, a different world and different kinds of careers than maybe they would have had. And maybe schools are being recalibrated to, you know, show up in a different way. And that's, that's what the evolution is looking like. I think we need to sort of like get out of this mentality that like, everybody's going to be behind now we're on this train that is like, well, maybe that is by design and we need to surrender (laughs) to it, you know, versus being like, oh, it's horrible. I don't know. Sometimes you got to burn shit to the ground in order to build something new, you know? And I think in a lot of ways that again, silver lining, I think that's what happened for so many industries and so many just you know, old systems and structures and government and just so many things that have been really burning around us. And it's like, well, but isn't that where growth comes from? It's like mm. you said, oh, it's in the burning, right? It's in this, fire. it's mm. alchemical, you know? And I think we're in that, that moment of alchemical change. Um, and it, 
hurts and it's burning and it's uncomfortable. And that's where we're at, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the resistance does not make it stop. So no, it does not. Yeah. Um, well, we have some lightning round questions that we okay. ask all of our guests. Um, <laughs> Before we jump into that, though, I want to make sure everybody can kind of know where they can connect with you. You have a new book coming out. I know your first book, The Rise, was a bestseller, but you also have a second book coming out um, called Embrace Abundance. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about that and also make sure people know where to find you before we buzz you with our Yeah, language. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Hay House had come to me, Hay House Publishing, mm -hmm. and it was right before all this chaos started for yeah. the pandemic started and they were like we want you to write another book and then we stopped the conversation and then right before they were like do you know what you want to write on and it was in that beginning of the pandemic when we were quarantined all of us didn't know what was going on or we didn't even have really our opinions formulated right mm -hmm. we just were like in this like okay I'm just gonna hunker down day by day. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like what can I do how can I serve you know and so that was the question and it was really around this idea that we're all really divine beings and we maybe have forgotten that our our birthright is abundance and our birthright of hope our birthright of um, relationships and and having enough feeling safe in our finances feeling like we're living in our purpose feeling like we have these beautiful relationships I just had to said that in our health and so I did a book where I knew people could just read a small section every single day mm. grab some hope from past stories true stories different sage advice and then a little action item you could do each day to really start to see and harness the abundance that's waiting for you um, and I, these are all things I personally did when I went from nothing to what I live today and so I just wanted to show people that they're inherent right and what's waiting literally ready to be grabbed is more abundance yeah. I love that so much I love, I love the practicality of it it's amazing so our first question Danette is um who have been your greatest mentors teachers people that have influenced your journey whether they're people you know in person or not up to this point um yeah so Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill is one of those, I, you know, I say that book title because most people recognize it, but he is, I feel like he's like this father figure. I even cut out his face and put it on my vision board. I just feel <laughs> his presence. And if you read really a lot into his other books, it's, it's phenomenal. He's been a huge mentor. I would say that, um, you know, I think Jack Canfield, he is actually alive. Um, you know, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, a lot of the Hay House authors were impactful for me. Love it. Beautiful. Okay. So the second question is, where do you find yourself in a state of flow? So what's that thing that you could be just blink your eyes and, you know, a whole day is gone. Oh my gosh. Nature. Hmm. Um, when I'm submerged in beauty of nature, it's the essence blends and that's where my flow is found. So many quotable moments. From I know. The internet. Um, <laughs> and then what breaks your heart? Division. Hmm. Or not understanding that we're one. Mm -hmm. Amen. And the last one's tough. What's your favorite food? <laughs> Cheese and crackers. Right. <laughs> Love it. All right. Totally relatable. Yeah. Go eat that the for best. days. <laughs> Love Aww. it. So Amazing. good. Wow. Well, we're so grateful to have you on. This was a really great conversation. I think something that will be really helpful to a lot of people to hear, especially mm. the thing about the conversations, like people are always trying to eat up, like what 
tangible tools can I take away and, and use in my relationships and to just help me strengthen them and strengthen my own kind of, you know, inner resolve, my own toolbox. And so I appreciate you bringing that to the listeners. You're welcome. And you guys, I put all that in the new book, Embrace Abundance. Completion Conversations is in there. Awesome. So it breaks it down. And I'm just wishing everyone the best on their mm. journeys. And there's so much hope. There's so much goodness. There's so much brightness coming for all of us. We just get to open our eyes and see it. Mm. So deeply inspiring. Thank you so much for being here, Jeanette. Yeah. Thanks yeah. For having Thank you, Jeanette. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.